from Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And hello out there in Radio Land. Yes, and welcome back. We've been gone for two weeks. Long travel days across the Gulf Coast and the eastern seaboard of the United States. I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell, live from Studio A here in Podcast Village. Joining me as they do every time we broadcast, he is the former uh, Undersecretary for International Trade at the Department of Commerce. He is the one we know as Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And uh, joining us remotely in what seems to be quarantine he is the former. Uh, he is a former Joe Biden political operative, longtime Democratic lawyer. He is the one we know as Dan Lipner. Dan, how you feeling, buddy? Uh, well, I'm not quite a bubble boy yet, but uh, close. The, the quarantine is is close. Oh, okay. But, you know, I I, I I just have to say, Duval Patrick's going to make everything better. Yeah, but he makes <laughs> me feel better. See, he, now you he, just took Richard Bino's all my problems. You you took Richard Bino's storm. Wow, <laughs> and. Darn it. And you know what? Storm? <laughs> Storm are all his all his luster. Anyway. Oh yeah, and, and Rich Rubino's here. I mean I mean Dan just kind of took away all your thunder. Remind us who Rich Rubino is. Oh, Rich Rubino is the author. <laughs> Rich Rubino is the author of such great books as uh American Politics on the Rocks and a contributor to several political outlets. Uh hi Rich. <laughs> anyway. Hi, and I'm here in uh, Deval Patrick land. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like, didn't you say that? It was, didn't you say that in your mind there's a possibility that Duval Patrick and William Weld is, could be a general ticket election? Yeah, I mean theoretically, but it's also a possibility that Miramar, Florida Mayor uh, Wayne Mason gets a Democratic Party nomination as well. So, you understand that um, you just mentioned three names that nobody has a clue who they are. Wait, is, <laughs> is William Weld still a Massachusetts resident, or did he move to New York? Uh, no, he moved to New York, then he came back to Massachusetts. The taxes were he too high in, in New York. <laughs> so, ah, well, well, one of those pesky little constitutional things, you can't, president and vice president can't be from the same state. Uh, yeah, that's why actually Dick Cheney moved from Texas to Wyoming about a week before Bush, Bush, Bush okay. announced he was well, going to be the vice I know, president. I know it's been two correct. weeks. I know we've been out of practice, and I know it's been two weeks. And we've been, and yes, we've been hearing all of the emails. We've been hearing all of the text messages. No, we are still here. Uh, once in a while, uh, other requirements. This is not our full-time paying job, in case you're wondering. But uh, we have to all have full-time jobs, and sometimes that takes us out of town. Uh, anyway, that being the case, uh, Eric, uh, Eric, Eric Thomas, our producer behind the glass, also Rob the Engineer, and Charlie Burney, our esteemed host and venerable owner of Podcast Village, is with us. Uh, now that we've blown five minutes on that segment, let's talk about what we've missed over the past two weeks. Uh, there's been so much that we've missed over the past two weeks. The, the number one thing, normally I would say, and those of you who the have followed me, the, World the Nats, the exactly. The biggest news out of Washington were the Washington Nationals won the World Series for the first time in uh, ever as this franchise goes, but it's the first time that we've had a baseball championship in about 82 years. Uh, congratulations to uh, Mike Risso and uh, Dave Martinez and the entire bench and clubhouse over there at Nats Park. They did an outstanding job. We're proud of them. The and the owners. And the owners. Uh, 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 yes, it was Briceless, and, and uh, even Alan says we got to put up a thank you to the learners because they fund this whole thing. 
Uh, that being said, thank you to Anthony Williams for spearheading the government side of bringing them to DC. Yeah, he, he was overlooked along the way. Yeah, that's true too. We should thank him for that. Anyway, can we get to politics? Because I don't know if you know this. There's a little <laughs> bit of an Williams impeachment hearing. Mayor, that's politics. No, it, it is. But and we love Anthony Williams anyway. And but it's anyway, a publicly funded stadium. Yeah. All right, another topic, another show. I don't know if you know this, but there's an impeachment going on. There's been an impeachment inquiry going on for the past two weeks. I know this is shocking to everybody. Uh, tomorrow, we broadcast, we we record these on Tuesday. Tomorrow uh, begins the first day of public testimony in the impeachment inquiry uh, set against Donald J. Trump of New York. The the This is, well, I asked this question, Alan Moore. You know, it's funny because we've seen the Republicans complain, complain, complain about the fact that there's no transparency in the closed door depositions that the committees were taking where there were Republicans in the room. And yet when Nancy Pelosi is the speaker instructs Adam Schiff to take the lead and do public hearings, they start screaming, wait a minute. No, 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 no. These should not be public. Uh how is the Republican Party justifying that hypocrisy before we go into the details on this? <laughs> what do you mean justify? They don't have to justify. Yes, it's awkward. Um, but just make sure you yell louder than the other guy, no matter what you're saying. So you complain about this. And when they address that, uh, initially, remember, they were saying this is an unauthorized inquiry. And uh and the, the Democrats hesitated in authorizing the inquiry and then finally concluded that, that, that the politics had shifted and that they should authorize. And that took away that argument. Um, and then there was the closed-door hearing, the so-called secret proceedings run by the Democrats. And it was convenient to just ignore the fact that three committees worth of Republicans were also completely uh, uh, eligible to, and some did, participate throughout. And then there was the secret nature of it um, uh, that led to the the, the dribbling out. Uh, we, we Everybody notices all these transcripts were ready at the same time, but they give one a day so that they keep the, the pretty much uh, the same story in the headlines with the newest nuance from a particular transcript. But, but arguably, aren't the, aren't the Democrats, every time the Republicans make a complaint about this, the Democrats are basically going, okay, you asked for it, here you go. And then they complain about it, and then they find something else to complain about it. Is, is this an effective? Is this an effective strategy, well, well, or is this just throwing spaghetti against well, the wall? Well, it, I don't think it's working out all that well for them. Meanwhile, they're having to also explain away this behavior uh, of of uh, the president um, in the fa- in the face of of interview after interview that basically corroborates the 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 heart of the basic charge. Um, that that the president was, in fact, involved in a, a, a major negotiation. This word quid pro quo, which some people under, seem to understand and others are confused by, the, the, the notion well, that we will give you in, in something. In this case, it was extortion. We'll, we'll give you something you want, but we want some things in, in, in return. It's the, just that what was different in, different in no, this case. Let's be clear. The quid pro quo, I mean, that, that seems to be the term of the day, but in fact, this was a violation of the authorization of congressionally appropriated funds 
funding a long-standing national security policy. Well, it wasn't long-standing. Remember the this came after the invasion of. Remember, President Obama uh, declined to provide the kind of assistance that was being held up. Um, this the, the the defensive arms right um but but uh, so it wasn't long standing it was a relatively new policy supported by both parties in the congress right the, the whether it was a violation of law or not is a is is not as clear a question um he was he was holding it up he was delaying it as leverage to get some stuff that 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 he wanted ultimately as the republicans are quick to point out the the president did not get what he wanted, and he did release the funds. Um, uh, why he did it, did that is <laughs> is, is, is pretty uh, obvious uh, yeah. because it, it was get... it was public, uh, potentially embarrassing, right? And and would could have uh, led to let's, let's, a major battle let's between to, the Congress. Let's go to Dan Lipner. Dan Lipner, you're the attorney in the room. Tell me the legality on this. It, w- we hear about quid pro quo. We're hearing a lot of the, you know, the cre- the key punching phrases that both parties are putting out. What's the reality here? What was in the eyes of the Democrats the actual high crime and misdemeanor regarding the Ukraine situation? And what is the what is the legally binding term that we would see if this was a court proceeding? Okay. Well, there, there are there are actually now several issues at play. Okay. Um, so the most recent that was highlighted, um, and this one I actually did not realize, uh, but Alan touched on it, was actually the Department of Defense attorneys uh, chimed in saying, uh, in their loosely, uh, very delicately phrased language that they weren't quite certain the president had the authorization to withhold the funds for these reasons. Uh, That was a polite way of saying this might be illegal as far as putting strings attached to this money. Now, the president can withhold money. That is true. So the power of the purse, um, just because Congress authorizes it, doesn't necessarily mean the president needs to spend it. Um, Those are two different parts for the executive versus the legislative branch. So that's one part. That's at the DOD level. There's the actual extortion portion of this, and this is the offering something of value for something in return. So there is that, and this was the, and I already forgot the U.S. Code citation that I was rattling off. We don't have to do uh, that, but go ahead. Show, uh, but that seems pretty clear. And then third, <laughs> uh, the fact that this was a an item that was pretty clear was an action taken for his own personal electioneering purposes is also a violation of federal election law. So there are actually three distinct legal issues, all of which seem to be per se have been done. And just to be clear, Um, Dan, just to be clear, it is your belief that all three of these are in fact, had this been anybody but the president, chargeable under criminal law i as robert Mueller has said the department of justice may not take those actions i don't know if i agree with him but that is the department of justice how they are going to go forward so yes i believe any other person would have gotten gigged on at least one of the three if if it's not all three 
Right. Rich Rubino, you know, we're starting to get into and we're starting to see a lot of the all-star historians that we normally see on the talking head circuit starting to compare this to the visions that we remember of Fred Thompson in front of the dais during the Watergate uh, hearings leading up to possible impeachment of the president. Uh, is Are we starting to see a similarity here, and can we expect the Democrats to let the legal minds, the true prosecutors, do their job, or is this going to be all show and start seeing Democrats starting to weigh in, ask questions, possibly blow a case against the president. Yeah, um, it's like it's shock, shock, there's gambling in that casino. Um, well, Fred Thompson, of course, just as from backward, he wasn't actually a senator. He was working essentially right, for Howard Baker. Right, he was an attorney. He was an attorney right, back this then. this was before. Right. This was before he actually entered the Senate, and he... Um, and he actually kind of he got gained political fame during this, but no, because I think that at that point it was a lot less partisan than it is today. Um, beginning with Congressman Hogan from Maryland, who voted for all three, for example, articles of impeachment out of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, the last vote for the impeachment inquiry, there was not a single Republican in the entire House of Representatives, not even not one, not not even Bill Hurd, who I thought was potentially going to do it, who's not running for re-election in South Texas, but. The point is, no Republican has even has no Republican voted for the inquiry, and on the Democratic side, only two Democrats actually voted against voted against the inquiry. So I don't think we're anywhere near there right now. But yeah. in terms of can we politics, clarify that statement? What that means it means the Republicans did not oh, even yeah. think it was worth looking into. Right. So right. that's the, that's the statement. Voting against the inquiry means voting against. I don't even think we need to investigate this. At all. Well, and, and I so want to come back to that, Dan, and I want to come back to that. And that was a, right, so we, we should acknowledge, though, that was a bipartisan position, right, Dan? Right. We'll get back to that in a second. We'll get back to that. It was in Watergate. Keep, keep going, keep going, Rich. Yeah, I just going to say in Watergate, I mean, when we, when you actually went to the vote for it just to have the inquiry, there were certainly were Republicans and Democrats as bipartisan in terms of the Monica Lewinsky issue with Bill Clinton, the same thing. This time, we're nowhere near there. There were only two Democrats. One of them comes from a district where Donald Trump won by 31 points, and the other comes from a district where Trump won by about 10 points. So there's really no, there's really no um, bipartisan bona fides there. But I think that in terms of showboating, yes, you're going to essentially see – I mean, it's going to be a show – and they know that millions of people are going to be watching, and every congressman on the Judiciary Committee, at least those who are, at least those who want, those who want to somehow further their political career, want to showboat, are going to definitely get up there, and they're going to grandstand uh, and potentially not put the that judi- case. Not, not the Judiciary Committee yet, Rich. Yeah, oh, the no, Intelligence Committee. I'm no, sorry. Right, yeah, I'm right, sorry. right. Um, but let, let's, Alan Moore, the. Uh, we've seen the release, as you pointed out before, the, the slow trickle release of each of the depositions that were taken behind closed doors by the Intelligence Committee uh, and, oversight and, committee. and Oversight Committee and their staffers. The, you know, we, we saw the one, the, the one that strikes me uh, is the... Testimony of uh, at the ambassador uh, Bill Taylor. The did Ambassador Taylor's testimony. Does he? Let me ask you this question. Let me rephrase it. Does Does Ambassador Taylor have enough credibility and is apolitical enough to to basically show the timeline 
And he's basically said, according to the readouts that we've gotten, uh, that it was clear that military would be withheld and it came from the president. Uh, does does that and the testimony of others in open committee hearings, is that going to sway a lot of people, do you think? I, that All of that information is now known. I mean, one of the weird things about this particular situation compared to others in history is the people we're going to hear from this week and into next are all people who have who whose lengthy multi-hour conversations have now been or are about to be made public. Now, what what the Democrats are hoping is that when they see individual human beings face to uh, addressing questions that are put to them by both the Republican and Democrat members of these committees, as well as staff counsel. And there will be staff counsel involved in this process. The hope is that if it hasn't broken through in the in the reading of the written word, that it will break through in new ways in the spoken word. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. We will we will see. I don't see new blockbuster information this, coming from people who've already spent hours and whose comments and responses to questions have already been made public. But does this tactic hurt the Democrats or does it help their case? I, I don't know. I don't. It's it, not slam dunk that it that it helps them. I don't know that it's going to harm them. The question is, are people going to are, are people really going to tune in? After the first bit, or are they going to wait and see what the news people right. and the and the the political opponents say? Listen, look at this soundbite. Look at this comment. Look at that comment. And are the Democrats, in fact, rolling dice on the fact on the issue that hey, maybe if the American people hear it, see it, I don't want to say smell it or touch it because it's TV, but if they hear it and see it coming out of the witness live that this is somehow going to magically change the mind of the voters and get Republicans to buy off on it? Well, it's not necessarily a matter of it being magical. It's a question of, again, the, the, the people inside the Beltway assume everyone in the rest of America lives and breathes the same political garbage that we do, which simply isn't true. So... The I mean, going back to the woman that was quoted that was on at the Amash hearing that said, I was shocked to hear that there was anything negative about Donald Trump in the Mueller report. (laughs) These are not normal people do not pay attention to the stuff at this level and. Going further into it, and this is the part that I find most perplexing, that I find the most challenging. we actually have found Republicans with integrity. Unfortunately, they're career civil servants. Um, the Republicans with integrity uh, apparently don't put their names on ballots, which is a interesting challenge. But I sort of, from a political perspective, I understand their issues because I now make a point of turning on Fox News anytime. No, no, the, let, let me finish the, making this point. So I make a point of turning on Fox News anytime these issues pop up to see like if there's a breaking story, what CNN reports, what national media reports, what MSNBC reports. 
and then what Fox News reports. Right. And it's it is a crazy difference of topics. Uh, the last time I did it, while things were breaking, hot issues were breaking as far as transcripts being released. Fox News, and this is not the commentary, this is not the Sean Hannity folks, it's the actual news coverage. They were talking about social media likes and dislikes and how that it, how that affects teens and tweens. So there is a segment of America that is not seeing this stuff, and if they do see it, the Fox infotainment segment of it is where they're getting most of their information. Yeah, but Dan, so the question is Dan, whether or not we can turn any of those hardcore Republicans that seem adverse to having facts in their head. Right, but Dan, here's here's the thing that that should strike both parties is the fact that I saw several polls over the past couple of days, one of them a Quinnipiac poll that said that 49% of Americans, 49% of registered voters, had already made up their mind about the validity of the impeachment hearing against, or the impeachment inquiry against Donald Trump. That's not a. That's not helpful to either side, in my opinion. Forty nine percent of, and that split is. So Democrats are lining up that yes, he did it. Republicans are inexplicably lining up uniformly. There is no there there. Importantly, independents are trending more along the Democratic line though saying that there is a partisan spin to it. So that so you're talking about essentially half. So you're talking right. about a margin of error. So the other fifty percent of America that is not doesn't bleed partisanship, this is what the T V show is about to be that is being laid out. Right. Alan's correct. We're not going to hear any new information, but there's a segment of America that's going to hear information they've never heard before. So, and God willing, facts will matter. So, Rich Rabino, you know, yeah. I, I keep going to you for the analysis between what we had during uh, Richard Nixon and then what we had during uh, Bill Clinton. And now, you know, if you if you the, the obvious comparison is going to be Nixon to now. Uh, back then, we only had three major outlets, CBS, ABC, NBC and Maybe PBS, but PB and PBS was broadcasting the hearings back then. Uh, we don't have the news overflow or the news overload that we have today. Is is that a detriment to getting people to buy in to watch and to go with Dan Littner's way of thinking of they're just going to hear it for the first time straight from the horse's mouth? I mean, yeah, that's, of course, assuming that a lot of these people are actually going to be watching the hearings or the coverage. I mean, there are a lot of people who just tune out to politics completely or have very limited knowledge. If they're voters at all, they're very low-information voters. I think if somebody's actually going to be watching the hearings live, they're probably going to have at least a very um, preliminary interest in what's going on, and they'll know at least, at least they'll, know, they'll know a little bit about what's going on. They'll know a little bit about what's going on in terms of the Ukrainian thing. Um, I will say this, though. The difference between now and the Watergate hearings is that, at the is that at the time I think the part, news the news was a lot less segmented, and certainly right now everybody can essentially you know you can get your news from a source that wants to that wants to essentially um, an echo chamber that will just that your pre-formulated opinion will just simply be um, reinforced, and I think a lot of people if you know obviously people that are watching Fox News 
are probably people that are conservative in the first place. People that are watching MSNBC, CNN are definitely left of center, and they're just going to get they're they're going to they're going to formulate in their minds based on the coverage that they're hearing, based on the people that they're hearing, and it's going to be people who want to agree with what they're saying, what they're saying in the first place. Whereas in the 1970s, and certainly you know you would get it from those three different sources, and people didn't think that I mean. The general population, the body politic, did not necessarily think when they're listening to it that everything they're getting is from, you know, a source that they either like or they don't like. They're just trying to essentially be the consumer of news. But you don't necessarily have that today, and I guess that's what, you know, that's – whether you like it or not, that's what a free market system does. It allows you to get your, your news from any sort of – any source whenever you want it. But as I say, anybody who's watching this – anybody who's watching this coverage live – probably has some in, at least some interest in that but that's right there are still millions of people in the american body politic who don't vote who don't take any interest whatsoever and live perfectly solid lives it, alan moore is as far as the overall strategy of this i mean this is more for political kabuki dancing leading into 2020 as opposed to there actually being a path forward to any sort of outcome, whether it's acquittal or passage of the articles. Well, I I think that the that the Democrats are are hoping, as Dan does, that if people know everything that is already known, that they will conclude that that the sins are significant enough that the president should be removed. I don't agree with Dan in that assessment. I think there are that that in this narrow group of people who are paying attention, uh, and it's pretty narrow, and it and that's going to be most of the people who watch right. over the next few right. days. It's not like the, yep. the the folks that Rich described are suddenly going to tune in and spend hours during the day watching. Right. They're they're working. And right. they're not that interested, and they've got other things when they do have time. I, 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 I think that. Hold on, I, Dan. Hold I think, on. I think that you know that's not to say nobody's going to pay attention or listen to what is said. Uh, we talk about people getting their news from F- Fox and MSNBC. No, they don't. They get their news from Facebook, from Twitter, from social media now, much more even than all, than all of these cable networks. And we don't know quite what the conversation is going to be. But, but, but my, my point is there are people and, and, and Republicans uh, uh, who, who do pay attention uh, are, are among them who say, including a few people who are not going to be around, there's this great notion that, gee, if they're leaving, then they suddenly get honest. Well, that's a, that's a condescending way to talk about it. Um, but, there, but, there are, but there are members of Congress, for example, who are stepping down saying what the president did was wrong. It was inappropriate. It should not happen. It should trouble all of us. Should he re- be removed from office for what he did? No, and and that's the big question here. Right. That name, that as, name, as the, name them. Who, who oh, are those on, people oh, that did that? Dan, Dan, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let let him finish, and then we'll come to you. Hold on. I I I finish your thought. No, no, no. I mean that that's my thought. We that th- there are people. I'll throw out. Lamar Alexander as a name, a man for whom I have enormous respect, 
um, and, and who gave That's up a role in leadership so that he could try to work across the aisle on a variety of things. He's not a flamethrower. He's clearly troubled by all of this stuff. But I, I would be shocked if from if, if we don't learn new things about what the president knew, when he knew it, and what his intention was. I now, mean, the th- new argument now from Republicans is... The, the 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 president did this stuff. It's it's in his DNA to right. n- negotiate things but, but to but apply pressure. Is, but he, but here's the thing is, and what what strikes me is the continuous comedy of errors that happens both in the White House and the lack of continuity in any sort of strategy to deal with this from Republicans on the Hill. I mean, we've heard everything from uh, several key centers saying there's nothing, there's no there there to Lindsey Graham coming out saying, hey, they're not even smart enough to come up with a quid pro quo on this. I mean, which is awesome, by the way, Yeah, which I was kind of struck by when he came out with that uh, is it it, it almost seems to me and I hate to say this, that the winner out of all this is going to be who sucks less at this, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, is, is that a possibility well, that the look, least screw-ups is going to win? I don't know about the least screw-ups, but look look back at, at the effort to impeach President Clinton. There were 30, uh, 30 Democrats who supported the inquiry. Right. Um, not a huge, massive number, but but more than than the two who opposed uh, in in this last instance. Right. Um, and and uh, but most of them ended up um, uh, opposing the articles of impeachment. Yep. And then, of course, on the in in the in the Senate, there was a there was an effort by some uh, Republicans and Democrats to find another punishment. There was no one in the Congress that I could ever see who felt comfortable with what the president has do- had done and wanted to find an appropriate bipartisan punishment. But the Republicans, it, it, they were so far down that, that road. Well, they had a hair that, up their rear end about this. Well, the House really had the hair, the Demo- and, the, and the, the, the Senate just by then was not really in a position because they had these articles. Is it, are, are, are you, do you support the articles or do you not? It wasn't as though there was room at that point right. to say, what could we jointly do? But I know at the time there were, there were Republicans and Democrats wishing there were a middle ground, a lesser penalty. Um, and, and it, in it, it, Clinton won the war. Clinton, Clinton, absolutely. But it was, but at then it was, it was sort of too late because these, these, the, the, the the lines had had already come out of the bottom. Had been, had been drawn. Now, the president Clinton became even more popular during and after that process. But two years later, the the Democrats got shellacked. So, so it, it it's really hard. You know, there's going to be an immediate perceived winner, uh, and, then, and then and then and then hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll come to you guys. And Score then, one popular vote. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll let you come back, Alan. Finish your thought. It's like it's like Jim Jordan. Dan's really happy. Yeah, we is. we won the popular vote. You lost the election, dude. suggests something beyond defeat. Like it's a, that's a trouncing. 
Okay. That was not what a gore happened with the bush beef gore. All right. Are we so we're going to say that? Are we going to say that uh, the same thing about so, Trump winning? So we're going to say that Clinton and his party had a huge victory in two thousand. Yeah, exactly. Fine, Dan. Take exactly. it. Take, take it, it away, take, buddy. So Dan, Dan Lipner, evenly fifty fifty. Dan, and we're not relitigating. We're not le- relitigating an election from twenty years ago. A, 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 opposing counsel opened the door. Okay. I'm not. Legal, I'm not doing this. Alan opened this. And I'm moderating. <laughs> and you guess what? Though. It, no, it's not. No, no, I'm no, not what, doing this. Is it, what, Rich had some, something probably useful to contribute. Oh, yeah, here. That, yeah, that might make sense. Let's... Go ahead, Rich. Try it out. <laughs> well, first of all, in the actual in vote, a vote on the conviction, you actually did have Republicans, the most liberal Republicans in the Senate in terms of Arlen Specter, who voted, essentially voted president, but you also had Susan Collins and Olympia Snow of Maine voting against the actual conviction. But if you go to the House vote for the impeachment, um, in terms of those who voted for the inquiry and then voted for the actual impeachment, of those three of them, um, Charlie Stenholm was a blue dog Democrat from a very conservative district. Then you had Gene Taylor from Biloxi, Mississippi, who actually later, after losing re-election in 2010, um, came back and tried to run as a Republican. And the other one was Ralph Hall, who was a Democrat at the time, who later became a Republican. And so it's just a very interesting uh, phenomenon because you, just like you're seeing with the two Democrats, Colin Peterson and Jeff Andrew, who voted against the who voted um, against the inquiry, you had the mo- it was the most conservative Democrats, and that just kind of shows the partisan alignment. There's really no, for example, there was nobody for, there was no one from the liberal bloodline of the party or the conservative bloodline of the party who actually went over to the other side. It just shows how ideolo- ideology basically basically is trumping, no pun intended, but just about everything else, including um, the rule of law and including somebody looking at the case from an objective perspective. Dan, Dan Lipner, go ahead. Can we dig, dig, dig in that for one second, though? Because one of the people, so Lindsey Graham first caught my political attention um, during the Clinton impeachment, because I, I watched it because I'm a political geek, as of all of us, as are all of us. And I remember very distinctly Lindsey Graham, I believe, voting against one or two yes. Yes. of the articles of impeachment and he was one of the floor managers presenting the case before the senate so as far as the the metamorphosis of where things are and while i disagree with the statement that bill clinton committed perjury uh per se um i you, do you disagree with that you don't think that's that Bill not, that's, Clinton, that, 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 and we're that, not going to relitigate this either. We're not going to relitigate. I don't want to relitigate I know. I know. How, I, however, I understand. I, I let it go. Let it go. I, I, I do more, more than acknowledge that there is an argument there. My point is hyper-legal <laughs> as far as the duty of candor versus perjury. They are actually different things. So Lindsey Graham. Where, where are you going with this, Dan? Votes are actually interesting because Lindsey Graham is also at play here. And his statements are where I found it most perplexing. I genuinely have always wanted to believe that there are Republicans with integrity that truly believe where the, the statements that they're making, that everything is not necessarily political nonsense. Lindsey Graham, in this case, from where his stance was on the Clinton impeachment to now fast forwarding through the Trump issues to stating and this is Rich's point. The yeah, you, you know, they're not they're they're not competent enough to have done a quid pro quo. And a step further into that of the well, I'm just not reading any of the transcripts. Oh my God, going from where he was 
of a seemingly principled conservative during the Clinton inquiry to what he is now. And all of the Trump do or die folks, I genuinely don't understand it. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about the folks who are informed. Right. I don't understand okay. it. Now, I, I hear what you're saying. But Alan Ward, it, every time it seems like the Republicans might be making headway into convincing Americans, you know, maybe we should look at options. Uh, you had mentioned, for example, example censure. Uh, there, there are, I think, two or three, uh, Dan Lipner, correct me if I'm wrong, two or three different actions that they can take in Congress as three. discipline for presidential abuse of power, per se. As far as discipline, I mean, a censure is basically a, a, public, a public slap abuse. on the wrist. Uh, yeah, the, there, there is no actual consequence other than you are being publicly shamed. Right. Uh, Verbally tarred and feathered. Right. Um, what are the as other... far as actual consequence to the president, since the Department of Justice will not prosecute, the only thing available to Congress is removable. Right. But but as far as a punitive damage or a punitive response to the actions of the White House, they could do censure. They could do, which they're doing right now, possibly pass articles of impeachment and vote for removal. What's the in-between? I mean, there's also the public censure argument, which I don't exactly understand how it works. And Alan might be able to go, go into this further. Alan, can you The, the, the can you public censure being the actually showing up and then letting people say nasty things to your face. Is, is, that, is that when the president shows up in the well of... No. Joint session of Congress. No, that's what when, happens? No, that's when senators or congressmen have to show up in the in the well when it, when when they censure one of their colleagues. There's no right. way. There's no way they can compel a president to show up. Right. Period. Okay. Including including in an impeachment uh, proceeding. Right. Which Clinton, Clinton didn't show up for Clinton his, up. and no, it was no. moot with with Nixon. Um, let's let's look a little bit at, at some of the tactics that the Republicans are taking. You know, we, we've. We, we've kind of been given the roadmap by Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. Uh, Adam Schiff has taken the point on this. They are going to have, uh, and Dan, you, you probably know the attorneys that they've got in front of the dais calling, uh, uh, calling the questions out for as far as staff goes, I believe. Do I you not? do not have that in front of me. Okay. Uh, let me go to Alan. Let me go to Alan on this one. Jim Jordan. Why move Jim Jordan to the committee if for no other reason that you know you're just going to he's just going to blow things up and either detract credibility from it or make a outlandish point about it? What's the, what's the I, advantage? I, I, I think it's a risky move. Um, the What's the win side of this? Well, the win side is that you're going to have a uh, a a a tiger in the room trying to score points uh, against witnesses who I think are going to be pretty pretty consistent in what they say and and pretty uh, pretty glib articulate speakers whose 
who most of whom or all of whom or most of whom have, will have had a long history of of public service. But why uh, draw it, attention? Why why have Jim Jordan do it? Draw attention to him because arguably he's got his own issues that he's going to have mm-hmm. to deal with regarding the situation at Ohio State. Well, that's not going to be a subject. It's not a subject to, of to, this, to, but to, uh, of this, I think no, no. It's simply a tactical decision that that. That the that the leadership, Kevin McCarthy, uh, and presumably the president himself, uh, have made probably with some input from Mulvaney, who remember came from the House, saying, "Who who can help us in that room?" And the judgment is, I think Jordan can help us in the room. I don't know if that's true. I think it's a risky move. Uh, well, it, it remains to be seen. If he can get uh, my hunch is he will not so much attack the witnesses as he will attack his colleagues potentially for for questions or observations that they may make. If he can make the public believe that the Democrats aren't being fair, then that's helpful potentially, to the Republicans. I don't think that he's going to do the deep dive into uh, trying to impeach, sorry, the the testimony of the witnesses. I think their stories are clear. Their, Their record is out there for all of us to see and read. So I think his... His approach is going to be this is the process is unfair. Those questions are unfair. We want to bring in the whistleblower. We want to bring Joe Biden and Hunter, Hunter Biden. Biden. That and, was the other and, question. And, and others. Yeah. Hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, Dan. Hold on, Dan. Those guys are as bad as us. Hey, hold on, Dan. I'll get I'll get so, to you on that. So yeah, I I just I think that 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 he will he will be there trying to to undercut if you will, the integrity uh, uh, of the process. Right. I don't know that he can succeed in doing that. Partly, it de- you know, it's going to depend on how the Democrats uh, behave, most particularly uh, Adam Schiff, uh, who has himself made some mistakes. I think we're going to hear many times uh, about the four the four Pinocchios right. that Adam Schiff mm-hmm. was awarded for saying that that his committee had had no contact with the whistleblower, which was a, a, a demonstrable lie. Yeah. So, but but Dan Lipner, when we look at uh, when we look at all this, do the Republicans have a point? I mean, if we look at what Joe Biden did while he was vice president and the role his son played overseas. Uh, my initial response to anybody that I talked to here in Washington has always been, look, you know what? That ship sailed. He's now a private citizen. If you've got something, charge him. Bring a case against him. And nobody has. Uh, it seems like we're in this infinite loop of whataboutism. Are the Republicans... Just playing into the deepest, darkest quadrants of whataboutism by trying to subpoena Hunter and Joe Biden to testify in front of this hearing? Yeah. I mean, so I've done my own little bits of research. And as far as talking to folks that I deem, quote, normal human beings uh, about this stuff. (laughs) And none of us are normal on this show. Um, So the... 
the the with the asking questions what people say and the whataboutism is in this particular case is the most cynical of cynical political approaches How so? because there there is an undercurrent that says all politicians are corrupt and all politicians are dirty and i would never for a split second suggest that there are no there is no corruption in politics and there is there there are no iffy issues in politics but as as barack obama correctly pointed out in a forum a few weeks ago the the just saying how woke you are is not not necessarily anything people are complicated life is complicated that, issues are complicated that is so a stretch on what he said but okay <laughs> It, it essentially what it is what he said. I mean, okay. it, so the if you're if you're looking for for purity, you're it, it is a fool's errand. You may as well carry a blindfold and a lantern because you ain't gonna find it. So, but oh, Dan Lee. So that pro, that process, how casting the aspersions on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, without question, and Hunter Biden said as much. During his, I believe it was a 60 minutes. No, interview. it was a Good Morning America interview. So Good Morning ABC. America, where he yeah. said, of course I wouldn't have gotten this sweetheart gig if my dad wasn't vice president. That doesn't mean I did anything illegal, which is absolutely true. But, and there is not even a hint of evidence that suggests actual evidence outside of the QAnon folks that says that anything that the president, excuse me, that Vice President Biden did was something done on behalf of his son. It simply isn't so. Right. Rich Rubino, let me ask this question and kind of take a centrist, independent view on this. You've got Jim Jordan, the mouth of Ohio, kind of running point for the Republicans in the in the committee hearing. You've got Adam Schiff, who the Republicans will say, if you know how he's telling a lie, he's opening his mouth. That's how you know. Is is this hearing justification for Democrats? Is it vindication for Republicans? Or is there a way that they could target this to the independent voters and the 51% of Americans who have not made up their mind or are flexible in how they view this go down? I mean, theoretically, I guess you could say Adam Schiff, because at least he was a skeptic of the impeachment hearings at the beginning. He was not a, um, you know, he was not he was not necessarily for it from the from the beginning. So he, he he later on became more or less a proponent of it, as some others did, like Nancy Pelosi. But no, I think that the Republicans have paint, already painted Adam Schiff as essentially. I mean, he's not necessarily a, um, you know, he's not a Dennis Kucinich, um, Bernie Sanders liberal. He's actually quite moderate, center left Democrat, but. They painted him essentially as the villain. I think the Democrats um, are, are certainly doing the same thing with Jim Jordan, a lot of it because of his personal issues. But I don't think that um, I don't think that either political party right now really has kind of a. I don't think any, either political party is necessarily appealing to the centrists as much as they're appealing to their own bases. I don't and know. I Saturday that, Night Live uh, have have a uh, Adam Schiff spoof versus the Jim Jordan crazy spoof. I don't well, know where you're going with that. I don't know how that. many people would know. I don't know how many people necessarily right now know who those two people are, though. Right. Oh, Jim Jordan was was last time around. Well, again, you're talking about a small population of the of the American no, TV who watching watch Saturday Night Live. Right. No, I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I just I, don't, I wonder. I mean, it's a good. It would be a good. It would be a, it would be a good barometer just to ask people on the street who the who either these people are. I think you said Jim Jordan. People would say you mean Michael Jordan. 
I think Adam Schiff, maybe he would, he would get he, – he's certainly in the next couple of days. A lot of people are going to be hearing his name a lot more. And I think that the Republicans, I think Donald Trump specifically, are going to try to portray him as kind of an Ivy League, an Ivy League elitist who's out for the president. But as I say, you know, if you look at his actual record, his actual voting record, he's actually a pretty much an establishment center-left um, Democrat. There are certainly other members of the Judiciary Committee that are a lot further to the left than him. And there are certainly other members of the United States Congress, you know, like Maxine Waters, for example, who, who are certainly further left, or in the, who is the, on the Financial Services Committee chairperson, who is further left than Adam Schiff is, but the Republicans have been very good at portraying him as an out of, as an out of step liberal kind of elitist um, chairperson. Yeah, Alan so, Moore. So oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Dan. Hold on, hold on, hold on. of America can name the vice president. Dan, hold on. Alan Moore, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I think one thing we're we're going to see a couple of things in 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 this process. Um, we've talked about Schiff. We've talked talked about Jordan. There, there are a whole there, there are a good number of other members of Congress who are going to be there, who are going to have a turn. It'll be interesting to see who, if anybody, elevates uh, themselves and and catches catches our attention by questioning or by points they make or summations they they make, or who really disgust us and 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 turn us off. Uh, they're they're all candidates. I think also there's something that 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 I was reflecting as Dan was saying. There's no evidence about what Hunter Biden might have done in 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 the Ukraine, uh, and and that is certainly true. But it's the Ukraine, and I think one of the things that that you're you're going to start hearing, and I'm surprised we haven't yet, is people are saying the president has has heard that some some illegal things occurred with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. We would like the people closest to the facts to investigate. We're not telling them what they have to find. We want an investigation. The, U, the U.S. Justice Department isn't doing that investigation. These are things that, that, that allegedly occurred in, in Ukraine. In, in, in Ukraine. So, so I just think that you're going to that that it's likely that you'll hear more the president tell it didn't wasn't saying what this investigation right. had to find it said let's do an investigation because yeah. this is a mess and if those had been either of my sons who were working for an a, a gas company in Ukraine you can bet there would have been yelling and screaming and demands for an investigation Dan Lipner so yeah i'm actually with alan that if this White House was not completely incompetent, they actually probably could pull this off in a meaningful way. However, you have funds being rerouted from international corruption issues, including in the Ukraine, by this administration, discretionary funds that have been tilted. And so much so that the president, during one of his impromptu press conferences going out to the helicopter, was asked, so... Corruption's a big deal for you. Can you name any other issues that you've actually been paying attention to as far as corruption? We'll have to get back to you on that. I believe that was two weeks ago, and we're still waiting for the get back to you on that. So that's what's so incredible about this. But wait, a minute, hold if on, these Dan. Folks weren't idiots. Dan, no, they Dan actually could have pulled this off. No, so Dan, let me let me just make sure I'm hearing what you're saying. Is what what I hear you saying is had they not done the messaging 
through Rudolph Giuliani and two Ukrainians from South Florida, but had done this through proper channels no, through the you, State no, you Department. Can't even, no, you can't leave those guys off either. Those guys and Rudy Giuliani and this is we have. But, but wait, answer my question. Out. Hold on. It's alleged that Rudy wanted to help re-corrupt the natural gas industry in Ukraine Dan, by getting his guys Dan, involved. Dan, focus. Answer my what question. Answer my question. Am I hearing you correctly? Am I hearing you correctly when you say that had this request gone through the proper channels, through Mike Pompeo at State Department, through Ambassador U- uh, Ivanovich, and to the newly elected president of the Ukraine, President Zelensky, this is not a problem. It's the fact that they did it through two Ukrainians from South Florida and Rudy Giuliani that got them into trouble. Is that an accurate statement? Not quite, because you're suggesting that they just kind of didn't follow the bureaucratic process correctly. Intent matters here. What is the so, intent? Tell me what the, the intent the, is. The, 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 so the, the legal phrase is men, mens rea, okay. which literally means guilty mind. Right. So if hmm. the intent were to root out corruption then the goal and all the processes built into that goal would have been to root out corruption. However, all of the facts as we know them and some things that have not been proven as of yet, but have been suggested, the entire intent of the conversation and the investigation into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's interactions there were in fact to create a suspicion against them, mind you, without any U.S. action taken, and with the Bob Barr being the U.S. Attorney General and the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is clearly at play, none of that occurred. So this is clearly, and this is... If you were going to an actual jury, not a jury of the Senate, right? to a jury, you would ask the question, do you really believe with, with a reason, within a reasonable doubt that the president of the United States was going forth because he was trying to root out corruption or, or because he was looking for, to gain political advantage by using this leverage which he had only from the U.S. government. All right. So, That's all right, we've got actual question. We've got two minutes left. Round the horn, real quick. What's the most important thing for the Democrats and the most important thing for the Republicans to happen over the next seventy-two hours? Well, the Republicans have to to be sure be sure or work work hard to make sure a that they don't look like idiots and b that nothing that nothing new Comes emerges. Out. And what the Democrats have to do is make the argument to the audience that, that, that Dan and Rich and others have talked about, which has not been paying attention, and a sliver of which will pay some attention, that this is a big deal, this matters, uh, this is wrong, right. and it is so wrong that, the, the, that, if you will, the capital punishment is right. in play. Rich Rubino, same question to you. Yeah, I would just wonder, though, how much of it, I mean, I concur with with the previous statement, but I just wonder how much of it, though, 
is more or less for political reasons thinking of 2020. Do the, I mean, I don't think the Democrats actually would – I think the Democrats, it's in their political interest here to actually try to hobble the president as much as possible without actually convicting him. Um, I think that's what that, I think that's the ultimate objective for the Democrats and for the Republicans, obviously, to make Donald Trump as formidable as possible and for him to look like he's taking on, you know, um, that he's take that he's taking on not so much a loyal opposition, but people have been out to get him since the first day he took office. Dan Lipner, the same question to you. Uh, for the Democrats, and I think since Nancy Pelosi gave her uh, talking to to leadership and seemingly the entire caucus. To remain professional, do not take this on with glee um, to say that this is a very serious issue and it should be treated as such. And since her talking to that thus far within the Democratic members of the House, that has occurred and I hope it continues to occur. As Uh, far as the Republicans, it's a longer game. Right. Their biggest and this is to Alan's point, except broader, um, not only to not look like idiots, but also to actually be have some sort of integrity to hang your hat on long term the republican party is broken and it's got to be fixed right and hey real quickly uh dan lipner since you're the attorney in the room president trump just lost another court case he is on his regarding his uh tax filings and the release to congress uh he is now what oh for six on the tax case um, it's on a bu- several different fronts. So the this particular one that, that that you're talking about is actually a New York State issue that he may have cheated on his taxes, right? And therefore, he uh, New, the New York City attorney wants access to, or New York State attorney wants it's access. The state to attorney general has asked for access to it and it has been granted um, it. And so, I believe the next step is because he's failed all the way up to. He's gone up the state court process and lost every step. The next step is the U.S. Supreme Court, and it is almost impossible for me to see that the that the court lets him win this. Again, is Trump eventually going to have to I, release this? I can't this. speak to Justice Thomas, but it's Im- almost impossible for me to imagine that the court is going to say the president of the United Dan, States is above the law right, when he's in Dan the White House. Le- legally, is Donald Trump eventually going to have to release these taxes? It's not it's in this case, it's not a matter of him, his choice. It's his accountants. They have it. OK. And Fair enough. so he, 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 he's a third party intervener on this and it, he's defending it since he's, his folks have said you can't sue the president. You can not investigate the president. Ten, ten seconds real quick. Alan had something prolific. Oh, I'm just amused that, that Dan felt very comfortable speaking for eight justices, but not for the ninth. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing patronizing there. <laughs> On behalf of Dan well, Lipner, on behalf of Dan Lipner, Richard Pina. What was that? Wait, what was that? I didn't miss that. It's Did like the right. uh, British Speaker of the House. He, he's the Speaker of the House, but he never actually speaks. Good. Oh, wow. Okay, there we go. Richard Pino, Dan Lipner, Alan Moore, Eric, the producer behind the glass. Uh, always appreciate Rob the Engineer keeping us honest. And... And, of course, um, Mr. Charlie Burney, our proprietor here. We love you. Thank you very much for listening. We, you can download us on all of your favorite podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're kind of a big deal. You can follow us on Twitter, at Backroom Politics. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us just about anywhere you want. We're kind of social. Have a great week, America. We'll see you next time.